you don't just take psychedelics. You have to have balls. Like you're you're not escaping. You're going within, right? You know what I mean? I think it's the opposite. Like you're it's gonna show you things that you don't wanna see. It's gonna help you see right. the things that you lie to yourself about. You know, I I did that gangster shit for wannabe gangster stuff. And I tell gang, like, sometimes you gotta be scared of the wannabes more because we have more to prove. I had to prove I was down and, and I did things that still haunt me today. Luckily, I never killed anybody, but I've shot at people and I've been shot at and I've done things that um, I'm not proud of. Wow. But it, uh, it built character once I got into tattooing. Welcome back to Chris Dyer Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast YouTube show <laughs> uh, where me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, talks to his super awesome creative friends. Uh, today I am in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I am chilling at the place of my friend Joseph Hefs. And uh, yeah, he's doing a tattoo on my head today. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for having me over your house. It's, uh, it's an honor to have you here. Oh, thanks, man. It was uh, cool to paint a mural in your backyard yesterday. Uh, that Buddha that yeah, you... sexy Buddha. The sexy Buddha. <laughs> Why did you ask for a Buddha? You, you like him? He's a cool um, guy? Yeah. Um, he's um, an inspiration as, as far as um, being at peace with himself and everything around himself. I admire... You know, some people mistake him for a god where he, I, I, that's, as far as I know, he's like, don't look at me as a god. I just, I found enlightenment. Like this just, this works for me. I found peace, you know, um, and uh, it's true kindness. And I, I think, you know, he accepted himself in the way the world was. And that's why he could be at peace. I don't, I don't know, but that's mm -hmm. what I, I, that's what I look to him for. It's what we're, we're told about him, at least. Um, well, it's nice to paint that mural for you in yeah. your backyard and, um, you know, swim with your kid and, yeah, hang out with your lovely wife, Michelle. And sassy Serene. <laughs> yeah, and Serene helping with the background and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah and I'm stoked to see what tattoo do you do on my dome today. It's gonna no big be... deal, it's just, the, it's just your head. Yeah, and I hear it's one of those that don't hurt at all, no right? Pressure. Right, there's yes. no There's no nerve endings It's like angel kisses, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's gonna be like a shamanic initiation, uh, you know, process we're about to do. I'm, I'm definitely nervous about it, and uh, but, you know, I feel you're the right magician with the right artistic skills and the power to inject you know, some good protection to this machine that makes me think and drives me crazy. <laughs> Hopefully it harmonizes things. Yeah, I think you'll reconnect me to, I was always putting a lot of intentions and um, 
a lot of a lot of 50% of my clients just want sexy badass tattoos so there's not a whole, like a bunch of huge intentions where I'm really getting into it I was telling Michelle how I used to like draw with like crystals on my back and on my lap and mm -hmm. like just trying to really put good energy into the art I was creating and, uh, mm -hmm. and so it'll be good to uh, to do that today. Nice. Well, thank you for using your full powers, and we can still make it sexy. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, tattoos are. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, do you think people will look at me different once I have like a tattoo on my head? Like it's kind of like not scary, but like a little bit. It's not. It's unusual. Yeah. I guess. Right. And, it's not super common. Um, head tattoos are. They're badass. You know. Yeah. Um, do you feel people treat you different for having like tattoos on your face? That's a good question. It's a very good question. Um, I first got my chin done. I've been tattooing 20 years now, come in December, official, professionally. Uh -huh. I started my apprenticeship 2001. And uh, tattooing is something that accepted me. Like it, it not a lot of people in the industry accept the way things I did, but the the the, the energy of the, the lifestyle, like it just, there's a rapper too short and he says, get in where you fit in. And that's where I just felt like I belonged. I could say the crazy things and people would laugh or be like, oh, we love you. Instead of like, what did he just say? I could be me. And when I started tattooing, I started having deja vu like the first few months. I'm setting up talking to these clients and, I'm like, I've, d I've done this before. I met, no, this is my first month. You're from another country. I, I didn't do this before. It just felt right. Some past life And um, I, uh, tattooing and my wife are the only things I've stuck with long. I usually get over things and I'm not, I'm not committed. And so my point is, is after a year, a year and a half professionally, I tattooed my chin and my mentor was like, He's, he's from Brazil. And he's like, oh, shit, bro. Oh, shit. He's like, you committed now, dude. And I was like, that was the point. Mm -hmm. um, and like one of my old favorite, you know, uh, rest in peace, uh, Lyle Tuttle. He's uh, a legend. He was the first rock star of tattooing. He was on Rolling Stone. Yeah. He was a friend of Michelle and I's. And uh, we started hanging out. And he was like, you and I are uh, two of the same Two of the same because but you're a fucking one up or you had to go on your face to one up and he was right. It's because in the nineties, if you had hands and neck tattoos, you were like a rock star. And then it became more and more common that people were getting their hands and their neck tattooed and like didn't even have a career. So it was part wanting to rebel and uh and uh look a little more rough. And also there's masks too to put up a like stay, stay away from me. Um, but the point of when you ask how do people look at me, when you're subconscious about something, people can feel it. And so people, when I had my chin done, people would just stare at it all the time. But I was also, because I was insecure about it, because it wasn't the design I actually wanted. I just told the guy do whatever he wants. And it was kind of like a bee scarab and, and just people would just stare. And the more I was like insecure and defensive about it the choices that i made like it was the less i cared like people don't look as much as they did mm -hmm. um i very i get rare it's not as i mean tattooing is more accepted now in 2021 with all the shows it's made it less it's put it it's less criminal in a way yeah so the questions i still get silly you missed a spot 
you know. Oh, yeah. But um, people aren't as scared as before. And I think that comes with the way I carry myself today. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you own your vibe. You know, even right now without a t-shirt, it's like, I'm in my house. It's me, I don't wear it. Like, I wear a shirt, I'm like, no, if I I'm, don't have to. I'm comfortable with myself. And yeah. that's awesome, you know. Sometimes we become self-conscious and yeah. we don't fully like accept ourselves in our ways and I think that's the journey of every man and woman the more and more I'm just not giving a fuck about mm-hmm. when people say I don't care you just don't care about certain things anymore right we it, all care to a degree right it's not like a caring of like I don't give a fuck out no it's about like you know I'm just comfortable with who I am and it doesn't matter what other people think I'm not trying to impress people as much as I used to right uh, um, so I guess like when I'm getting this tattoo on my head I'm thinking like oh why are you doing it to impress others Da-da-da-da. like I know maybe some people will be like like I know my mom's not gonna be happy she's gonna make her cry at all, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she will cry but <laughs> she will be like Christopher what another tattoo on your head Oh my God! When is it gonna end? I love my mom. <laughs> I love my mom. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, it is a big, big. It's a big commitment. Yeah, it's it's there forever. But you, you know, like I had like dreads twenty one years, and now they're gone, and I'm okay not having dreadlocks anymore. I accepted it. I let the energy go. I'm I'm chill, not being as weird looking. And it's not like the tattoo is gonna make up for the the weirdness that I'm lacking with the dreads gone. But the dreads just made all these weird holes. Like just I thought a, it was a birthmark. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just like these weird partitions, the hair pulling for 21 years. And and it's okay Like if I'm going bald, but at least go bald in a neat way. As an artist, I look at the composition of what's going on in my head, and it's just a mess. I'm like, ugh, I can't look at myself in the mirror every day and just be like, geez, how do <laughs> you fix OCD, this? Yeah. yeah. So if we make a nice, neat tattoo, we'll uh-huh. even it all out and, and make it that I'm happy when I look at myself in the mirror. And plus, you know, to have this uh, confidence that you have, plus this image of the sun, God, you know, injected into, you know, my head I think it will be like a powerful thing so I'm excited and you know nervous for the pain part but it's all good and I'm sure you you will be gentle enough yeah um I'm not gonna talk I've listened to music and do my breathing you'll hear me yeah you'll be meditating pulling those long yeah I do I lose myself and same like when you do your murals right you, uh-huh. you lose yourself in your art yeah totally I do like to be left alone mostly you know so I like people around kind of like partying and yeah. having a good time and looking. I, I, I like that. But if I don't have to talk to people and I can just focus, that's always the best. Um, so do you remember like when we met or like how long we've known each other? Uh, I started, I don't know how I found, maybe I found you from Mark Longnecker. Possibly. I don't know how I stumbled on your page, but. Were you on that uh, yoga mat show? That he did in Cocoa Beach? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, maybe in these clients I tattooed, they had your, your clothing too. And I just started watch, watching you on Instagram. And then uh, I've done a few um, eye ceremonies. And uh, um, you had invited me out. And I couldn't make it. Um, the being booked out a while like I have little holes here and there sometimes Michelle can move things around but um, it never really worked out no and uh, I was supposed to go to India or or Peru and um, I decided to stay 
to go to court for my daughter and uh, the universe rewarded me with you reaching out hey you're gonna I, oh, I was like oh you're up at Alex Gray's and you're like hey you're gonna come for my skateboard art show and I was like oh that would be cool and I looked at it and Michelle's like said oh I can only be there uh, 17, 18, 19, 20th. And you're like, oh, I'll be here for another two weeks. I'm always up here for a month or something. You go or six yeah, weeks. Yeah, 10 or, days. Oh, 10 days. Mm -hmm. And Michelle made it happen. And that's in you. I was so nervous. I was like, whoa, these people are, I don't know these people. What if they're, and I got in the back here. I was like, these are my people. And you greeted me. I looked and you were like, Two people that knew my art greeted me and they're like, hey, hey, hey. And then you were like, Joseph. And you were sitting with Alex and Allison. I was like, holy shit, that's Alex and Allison. <laughs> and you were like, here, uh, come. And they were just finishing their lunch. And um, you greeted me with love. And then Alex got up and was like genuine, like looked me in the eye and was like, so nice to meet you. And I was like, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, I got to, we had a good, a good chat um, in the, um, the labyrinth on the last day um and it stuck with me you know like uh, you don't smoke pot anymore and uh i you know i had i had sobriety for two years and uh before covid hit and changed a lot of things and um i think i've never really said this out loud to i don't know if i have is that sometimes we have this image of who we need to be and like if I don't smoke weed anymore then like I'm not like a hippie like I don't you don't really need need it that's just like a an attachment right, right? like like sometimes a part of me wishes that I did smoke weed because then I'd be so much more in alignment with all my clients because you know I'm painting at all these weed farms and grows and everybody's smoking all around me and I could be down do you in see that people kind of like get disappointed they kind of like accept me and the respect that I'm not on that stage right now. And but I think they would love if I did a dab with them or something, and they'd be like, "Oh, we did dabs with Chris Dye." It's, it makes for a good story. Yeah. But you know, that's not why I live. So to become people's story, <laughs> I'm there to paint and and just be nice, high or not. But it, it would be, you know, it would be fun. But I, I just gotta do what's right for me. What you said to me resonated, and I still think about it. Three years later, you're and you know, sorry to mock your accent, but I think it's cool. You're like, <laughs> man, it's like I smoke, and are are they my thoughts? Are they not my thoughts? And I'm like, that's the same. Sometimes you know, I smoke, and I'm like, I'll think differently. Um, it, it helps me get relaxed, and it does. It's um, it's euphoric, and uh, it is an escape. But it also connects me like I love yoga and smoking and, uh, and and creating art. But I feel disconnected to the rest of the world. It's like I'm not uh, as, it's like I'm in a bubble. I'm mm. in a cloud of smoke. Right? It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I wish you could just get the good parts out of the bad parts. But it doesn't work that the, way. <laughs> the reason why I don't do it is because I'm avoiding the bad parts. But I miss the good parts too, you know, like when you're watching a movie yes. high or like listening to the record for the first time you're like whoa this is amazing or like really in the art zone uh -huh. you yeah. know it's got so many good times but then like then it sucks me in it's like now i own you and you gotta do it all the time and it's just like Ugh. so now that i'm on a on a, on a i haven't smoked for like maybe a month and i'm just like trying to cruise on that it's like well i smoked for a month we're gonna keep on going for as long as i can Till I find like the ultimate excuse is like 
well, I just got back home after 10 months of not being home. I think I'm just going to smoke a joint and go around and put my toys in their right place. I, I think that's going to be my excuse. To I like to organize when I smoke. I like to clean. Oh, like... yeah. It's super fun. <laughs> I like, you know, what you said I resonated with. You were like, it, it kind of consumes me. I don't, you, didn't, you didn't say it specifically, but you said well, how I feel. It's like, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. You're like, if you smoke, it's like all day, all night. You're mm. like, and that's, I felt like I had to smoke to do everything. And yeah, you just, uh, you can't depend on it for your, for your happiness. Like I, I've used it at times where I was depressed and I just wanted to be lifted. So then I'm just lifting myself, lifting myself. And I'm just kind of like masquerading the sadness that actually wants to be heard. It's like, why are you sad, Chris? What's wrong and what do you need to fix? That you're just trying to like sedate yourself enough that you don't feel that pain. And sometimes you just got to feel the pain and, and do something about it other than, you know, running away from it. <laughs> a lot of our men our age and older are, weren't, weren't given those tools and taught to feel, to feel that. Shake it off. I tell people that are like, so I grew up with a lot of rough around the edges, gangsters, bikers, they're gangsters too. Um, and punk rock they're pretty fuck that fuck the world you know like some of them are, are a lot of the real punk rockers are, are for purpose and standing and the rest like me I didn't really realize what it was till I was older I just thought it was just like yeah getting wild like a punk rock yeah, yeah. but you know it's, it's more to that but the point is is um, it wasn't tough and you're so, and I and those friends were watching me change like oh you're all you're all weird now and you believe in in this and the and I go listen um when I talk about energy, you hear this hippie woo-woo thing, but energy is real, this science. So I, I put it this way. I said, you know, when you wake up in, in, I said, when we were a kid and you're at a house party and you're with your group of friends and it's really going great and then a new group of people come in and what happens? You feel the energy shift, right? You're like, whoa. Either you're like, whoa, they brought in good or you're like, whoa, whoa, yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> and I go, that was their energy. And they kind of like, yeah, I guess you're right. They brought but, it uh, we're always taught to, uh, at least I was like, oh, shake it off. So um, we're not taught how to deal with that energy or that emotion. So it's like, oh, shove it down. You don't want to yeah. cry like, yeah. for years. Now I cry in front of everybody. I don't care. But I used to, oh, Right? What yeah, you're doing, yeah. you're right, you're Men just are supposed to like absorb everything and just, you know, be tough enough. And sometimes that's needed in, in you know, say like in a family or community, someone has to be like, Okay, we're gonna be tough here and we're gonna push forward family. Don't no worries, I got this. You can't let every but there's also moments where you just gotta let emotions run. If not, that shit's gonna build up and become toxic. <laughs> and you can hold on to that for a lifetime, yeah. Right. Which becomes trauma and so, and like purging and, and uh, that's energy releasing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's releasing old energy, do you believe? I only know what I've experienced. I haven't like studied it. Well, I guess we're talking like about like plant medicine, ceremonial kind of processes. And I don't know, like I'll go, sometimes I'll go into a ceremony being all like, oh, I had a rough year, I need to clean that out. So that's my intention and may all cry out you know, the current sadness that's going on. Or maybe I'm feeling good about my current life and it's like, okay, let's go and tap into some childhood trauma that you never really dealt with and 
now this is your chance to, you know, let it go and, and let that emotion flow. Or maybe some past life stuff that you don't even understand or remember, but still you need to release, release, release. Just, so, um, yeah, these are all really beautiful, blessed things. Um, I want to start, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your roots. Uh, you're from... Connecticut from, as a little boy. Okay. Uh, and then when did you move to Las Vegas? Uh, m my dad owned a really big baseball card store. Uh, a baseball my, card store? Yeah, I had, cool. I had all the baseball cards. Like, if we were buddies and uh, I liked your, your gifts for Christmas, I'd go, hey, Chris, uh, give me the Super Nintendo and uh, you can go in my dad's garage and pick out like Cremel Georgia Bar, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, or uh, Joe Montana rookie cards. Like, uh -huh. I was giving away. My dad was like, you were giving away $1,000 cards. Like, <laughs> but I wanted a Super Nintendo. You should have been cheap. You should have got me those Reebok pumps and not buy me the knockoff jocks in it to win it. <laughs> so when I was 15 in uh, 94, 95, the summer he goes... Uh, he goes, say goodbye to your friends this summer. We're moving to Vegas. I'm selling the baseball card business. Beanie Babies are taking over. <laughs> and I was like, what the, is a Beanie baby. baby? And they did. Do you remember the Beanie Babies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They knocked out baseball cards. So oh, we moved here. Um, Those assholes. I moved out here October, uh, my freshman year. And uh, it, it flipped my life upside down. You know, I was a wild kid when I was younger. But once I moved here, I really rebelled. I didn't, I wasn't. My parents moved to a wealthy neighborhood because he sold his businesses, but my dad was not like he was stoner, wore Jack Tripper shorty shorts with the drag racing t-shirts with a pack of cools, and his he was not uh, he was his working class who and uh, I wasn't rich enough for those rich kids, so I hung out with the stoners and the gangsters. I didn't even know what a cholo was because I grew up around Puerto Rican. Um, and so I was like, you guys Puerto Rican? They're like, nah, fool, I'm Mexican, eh? And I was like, oh, why you guys wear your socks up to your knees? That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, What I, was the answer? <laughs> that's just the style. They're just like, why, fool, what is this fucking, what is this Asking dude? me questions. <laughs> ah, no mama's way. Shut up, fool. Um, and I spent uh, the next five years trying to prove I was down to... Uh, to people that I thought were cool and and I had a lot of good experiences and actually these these gangsters I hung out with were like I think they were I don't think I know they were confused like me because we're also programmed by the music gangster rap was huge in the 90s like when that when that movie Compton Straight Outta Compton came out we, me and Michelle were like that was we do all you know Tupac and all and like all that gangster shit like mm -hmm, that was your era it was it was and it was on MTV and it was just it, it was cool mm -hmm. and um, and you had to fight to get in and I was always proving I was down but um, eventually in 97 all of us started taking LSD and it was like it opened me up um, I still remember, you know, my first LSD experience, I was turned 16. I went to a Pantera concert. No. Who takes LSD and goes uh. to a Pantera concert? <laughs> but luckily it didn't kick in until the end. Okay. And it was cool. There was that song, you keep this love, this love. Uh. And, and it, it was these pot leaves. They were like 
projected on the screen and it's like a slow beginning and there was like an MTV girl with big boobs and a, like one of those little 90s bikini very covered nipples and she brought these little like toy rubber balls and she bounced them and that's like when I started to kick in I was like whoa <laughs> and that was like the last song wow and uh, it kicked in as I was leaving I lit my cigarette and I was like the chick from Days and Confused like whoa and they're like move <laughs> and then I went and got an orange juice because they said you need vitamin C. I was like, this is the best. And I went to my friend's house and I took his Led Zeppelin box set and I laid all the CDs on me. And because of the breathing and the reflection on the CDs, it was just, it was great for the peak. And then we went out as the sun came up in the desert and just talked about life and was like, whoa, my world was flipped upside down. And I, um, I, I went and took a shower. I came home and my mom was in the kitchen. She's like, what's up? And I was like, mom i figured out life and she's like what i was like i took lsd last night she's like what are you doing because in the 80s she's like i took it and i lost my mind i was like well and and eventually we did it every friday like every friday my friends had like the gel cap pyramids and then eventually it turned into the liquid and those little like uh medicine uh the the Vaseline or no, the mint droppers of vial was that a hundred. Okay. And some of your friends would be a jerk and go and squeeze like Ooh. 10, 15 hits. And but I That's would have a no joke, I, man. <laughs> no, I could drive you crazy. Sometimes I wasn't right for like, like things were just kind of off for like a week or two. But the point is, is it like it showed me a different perspective. And I never thought the same, I never saw things the same again. And I always just would like that's not right. And, you know, I like people do things or I would see people be fake to each other and I'm like, why are you? And it made people like, you can't. You saw through the bullshit. Yeah. And I had to conform and I think that's where some of my alcoholism, I've said it before, drinking, like I had a good time with drinking beers with you last night. We were celebrating, but sometimes around groups, I, I, I drink to be, it's the only way I can be fake. Mm. I can I can fake the funk if I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. like it allows me just like yeah I can just but then I get too many drinks I'm like hey by the way I feel this way like I've been talking shit about you man and this drives me nuts mm. but it kind of turns off that like it turns off that switch and I can just kind of go with the sheep and uh, it's a double edged sword for sure it's mm. a demon that I still struggle with but back to psychedelics you know uh, it was a big part of my life when I was a teen and then I had a couple of bad trips and it was scary and um you know, like I like to talk about, and in, in, in and out of the program of, of AA, they're like, oh, don't do psychedelics. I'm like, it's not a dick. It's, you don't just take psychedelics. You have to have balls. Like you're, you're not escaping. You're going within, right? You know what I mean? I think it's the opposite. Like you're, it's going to show you things that you don't want to see. It's going to help you see right. the things that you lie to yourself about. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I, I did that gangster shit for, Want to be gangster stuff, and I tell gang like sometimes you got to be scared of the wannabes more because we have more to prove. I had to prove I was down, and and I did things that still haunt me today. Luckily, I never killed anybody, but I've shot at people, and I've been shot at, and I've done things that um, I'm not proud of. Wow! But it uh, it built character once I got into tattooing because once I was 21, I. Uh, I worked at Harley Davidson Cafe, and that's where I met my first wife. And to make a really long story short, uh, she was a wealthy girl, came from a wealthy family, and I was her bad boy. And uh, she ended up dancing her way through college. And 
she didn't want me to work. She wanted a kept man, and a guy I used to buy my weed from was a tattoo artist, um, and that was about that was 2001. So from 95 to 2001, I was pretty lost on the streets, and uh, and then I found tattooing. I used to drop her off at work, um, and I would hang out at my buddy's tattoo shop. And like I said, that too short says getting where you fit, and I just like I loved it there. And they needed a counter boy. It's a really long story. I'm making it short because I'm very long winded. <laughs> uh, but uh, I got my foot in the door. Uh, I went through a couple people, and then Uncle Johnny. Thank you, Uncle Johnny. I know you won't see this because you're an old gangster. He's an old mafia guy. So the owner was like, "Oh, Joey, I heard you tattooing out of the house. Why don't you learn? Why don't you tattoo here?" I said, "You didn't want apprentices." Uncle Johnny goes, "Hey, give me five grand, give her a grand. Forget about it." Mm-hmm. And so I did that, and then they just they uh, sink or swim. Within a couple of months, they just threw me to the wolves, and uh, I was just tattooing people after a couple months. Wow. Like my first one was a tribal dragon. I did a lot of tribal because it was 2001. <laughs> Our bands and I did. I've never really done any professional. And I'm tattooing for a lot of money. A dragon on stretch marks. And then the next day was a really dark guy from Jamaica, and he wanted a lion. And on the darker skin, I couldn't see the stencil, and I'm wiping, and he couldn't speak English. And he was like, and then he just like halfway through, he just threw money at me and was like, get away from me, kid, you're hurting me. (laughs) And uh, I developed a lot of bad habits, um, craftsman-wise, you know, just like, just get, it was a production, get him in, get him out. We didn't have social media to see, to be like, hey, can you send me a picture of what your work looks like? I never saw what my work looked like for years because it was on tourists mm-hmm. and I'd hop around a lot. Right, so you never had like the finish uh, healed up uh, picture yeah, of your Yeah, so I didn't know tattoos. like. Um, and when did you, would you say you got good and started succeeding at the uh, path of being an artist or a um, tattoo artist? About five, I worked at a couple of good shops and um, I think I was over intimidated. I dated a girl and she goes, why'd you leave that shop? She's like, you want to be a big fish in a small pond, don't you? She's like, how are you ever going to grow? And uh, two years later, I worked for this famous tattoo artist and uh, he had a shop in Chicago, uh, Clean Rock One. He's been on Ink Master a bunch of times. Uh, he's a guy that's good at everything. He really is. And uh, he had a beautiful shop and just like... Uh, north of Chicago, just east of Chicago in Elgin, and uh, I was able to get a job out there, and uh, I took a trash bag of clothes and my tools, didn't know nobody, and that's where I met my first real spiritual brother, Chucky Way. I, I, I missed, I took the wrong, I went to the wrong airport, I took the wrong train, I came in, my fedora was soaking wet, because it's end of August in July, in, in Chicago, somebody tried to steal my luggage on the way, and I was like, oh, and he's like, and he's, uh, he's from, uh, he's like a little Oaxacan. He's a little guy. And he's like, ah, oh, Dougie, you brought your energy. And I was like, huh? And uh, he let me stay on his couch, uh, on his on his couch, in a, in a room. This is a great story, actually. 
where I learned about manifesting and I was doing a lot of attraction without knowing it. I slept in a, in a spare bedroom in this, their house was kind of, I love you, Chucky, but that house was disgusting. It was so <laughs> dirty, dude. And I, and I, and I didn't have any to sleep on. After a couple of days, I borrowed this guy, Nate's car and went and bought a, like three blankets, two to sleep on and one to have. And I had nothing. And, uh, I found the closest little gym. It was a rec center, and I started doing yoga. I, that's a whole other story. I do yoga and go and do Pilates and, and and work out a little bit. And something told me I was walking on the way. Actually, my gangster friend years he would give me when I was sixteen. He would give me a pound of weed and go here. It's yours to sell. And I'm like, oh. He goes, it's not my problem. He goes, just tell yourself you're gonna make a hundred bucks a day at least, and you'll make it. And I, something told me you should do that while you're out here. Like, you know, 15 years later or something, I thought about what he said and I would walk to the gym every morning and I would tell myself, you're going to make this much money. You're going to, you're going to make, I'd be like, I'm going to make this amount of money. I'm going to get a car. I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to furnish it. And Chris, within two months, I had a beautiful two, two, two bedroom studio apartment above the shop. I got a cool Bronco and everything started happening. Like I was just, and I would go to yoga and then I would like go in the sauna and I would lay upside down and just have the blood like recirculate. I didn't even know why I was doing it. And I would just breathe in kind of like our breathing exercise. What he's saying, breathe in, I would breathe in kindness, peace, patience, let go of the bullshit, let God let go. And I would breathe in and I would breathe out and I would go out into nothing, out into the darkness so it doesn't hurt anybody. And I, I would never tell people because it was a bit, people think that shit's weird. Yeah, yoga was not like super big in the beginning of the no, 2000s. No, 2003, 2008, yeah. And I, uh, uh, it wasn't, and I didn't know I was manifesting it. And I was out there for a little bit and then I came back because I had a daughter and my mom was struggling before she took her own life. And, uh, I worked for this guy. She's she's not uh, she doesn't suffer anymore. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. She was much more. I have a tortured soul still a bit, but she's she was tortured and she doesn't suffer anymore. She had a huge heart. That's where I get it from. Mm -hmm. But um, I worked for this guy right before I met Michelle, and he was like uh, he was an old British dude. He didn't like me at first, and then we actually be. I was the last man standing because I'm not a thief. Everybody was. I partied. There were people that were like straight drug addicts and stealing. And he was like, one day he's like, oh, fucking last man standing. And, I, and this was uh, 2011. I said, Nick, just make me the manager. You know, old British dude. And he's like, fucking hell, you're an alcoholic. And I go, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, just let me. I said, I will work 90 days in a row. Uh, and I won't drink for 90 days. Just watch what I do. And he was like, oh, my God. Well, making all this money. I was like, Nick, they were stealing more than you thought. He's like, fuck. And we started become buddies. And he was like, I want you to. Uh, he gave me a DVD called The Secret. And I watched it. And I was like, that's, that's what I was doing in Chicago. Holy shit. Uh -huh. And I just started. I was like, I don't. I didn't, and that's when I, I met Michelle. I was doing really well. And uh, she took my career from being a. Uh, very mediocre flash artist. Um, I was just getting a little better because when I was at that sh shop in Chicago, those guys were actually really good. And Eric Tavet, thank you. He uh, 
you would love him. He's a hippie, snowboarding, like, he's a cool dude. Everything is golfing, and, like, he's like, you know, it's like it's like snowboarding. You got to think three trees ahead. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I get the metaphor, but uh, one day I came in the shop. Uh, I'm rewinding two years before Michelle when I was there. And he was like, hey, Vegas, because they used to call me Joey Vegas, mm-hmm. being from Vegas. Pinchy Vegas. <laughs> hey, man. <sighs> You're decent and all, but what you're doing is not working. You're busting through these tattoos really fast. I know that's the Vegas lifestyle, but, uh, you know, they had guys like Checho, this, like, badass graffiti. They had, Clean Rock One had, because he was a graffiti artist. Um, He had some of the best peoples in Chicago working for him in the 90s, and a couple of them stayed, and one of them was Eric Tevet, and he was like, hey, bro, he's like, he was turned around. He didn't say it to my face. It was just me and him in the shop. But he was a nice, passive aggressive, like, because I was a little crazy. So he didn't know how I'd handle it. And uh, he was like, hey, Vegas, whatever you're doing is not working for you. We worked really hard for 10 years to build this name. And, uh, you know, one or two bad tattoos kind of like sinks the ship. It goes into the city. They're like, where'd you get that top notch? <laughs> That's a sinking ship. Mm. And uh, it's something I needed to hear. I went through so many emotions. I was mad. I wanted to fight him. Mm-hmm. And then and then I was sad because he was right. Then I got mad again because I got sad. And I was like, fuck this guy. And then, you know, I woke up the next day, swallowed my pride and went into work and just started trying more. It just took my time. And it was uh, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. It was be- right before I met Michelle. Ugh, I get emotional. I don't need to shove it down. Feel it. It's all yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. It was, uh, it's what I needed to hear. Nobody had the balls to tell me. And so when I came back to Vegas, one of my friends, we were out having beers and I was like, dude, how come you didn't tell me I wasn't that good? He's like, bro, you're crazy. He's like, I, was, I don't want to fight you over it. I was like, I wouldn't want you just, well, I don't know why he couldn't be like, sit down, Joey. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that, that happens, have some constructive criticism. That happens a lot in this world, you know, that we're not honest to each other. We don't communicate so well. Sometimes people don't want you to get good. And mm-hmm. I experienced that too. Right. People liked me better when I was a loser, not that great. Mm-hmm. Well, certain people. Right. Less, not com- the re- not less the re- competition. Less, they're less threatened. Because they can see your power. And if you do activate that power and go to the max, then what will they be in comparison? Because we like to compare. I've kind of dimmed my light lately, you know, this past year to a few maybe rebelling, but I felt like I felt alone as the more powerful I got Mm -hmm. and the more sober, I kind of felt like not many people understood me, only like a handful. Yeah, I understand. You shouldn't do that though. Well, should or shouldn't, it's up to you, but you should just shine your light, be your thing. Those who can't handle it, that's their problem. (laughs) I care too much what people think. I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know? Like, we should all be confident and happy and and stoked for each other. Like, if you're doing good, I want to be happy. Like, well, I am happy when I see you doing good and shining your light and inspiring a lot of of people to do the same. Uh, I think that's, you know, how we should, uh, you know, act in this world. Not like, oh, you know, I'm going to take it down a notch because people are not there yet. And I don't want them to like be angry at me or jealous or etc. If they're going to be jealous or compare themselves and feel bad because I'm doing good, that's not my problem. That's something they got to deal in their own lives. And I shouldn't like bring my vibe down <laughs> to 
you know, pacify their their journey. <laughs> so my best friend, he he broke my heart once. Uh, fast forwarding after Michelle and and doing better, uh, I started getting sponsors and uh, one of Solon, this Solon, I love you, Ryan and Uncle Jeremy and everybody else. Uh, they did an interview with me and they put me on their page. You know, the first person to comment was my best friend. You know what he said? Poser. Aww. I was like, fuck that hurt. Aww. He deleted it like within 15 minutes. But... Was it like a jab in a friendly way or in a, no, he was, was jealous? He was angry. He was even, he took his life two years ago and oh. he wrote a letter saying, I'm jealous. I'm, he struggled. You know, we all, I was telling you yesterday I had like survivor's guilt. But mm -hmm. so I met Michelle after that 90 days doing the sober bet. And uh, I moved into her house after two weeks and got her pregnant as fast as I could. And uh, <laughs> seriously, gotta put a baby in her. Oh, yeah, I was like, I'm gonna be attached to you. <laughs> and uh, she made me want to be a better man. And uh, so I was struggling with my work, trying to be more custom. And she had a really good job working for the city. And uh, I like called her. I was like, Hey, I quit my job. Come get me. And she's like, What? And uh, something told me. I dropped her off at work. I used to girls like taking care of me and uh, I dropped her off at work. I drove her really cool car around to show off to my buddies and then I went home to take a nap and God said, no, not this one. And I got out of bed and I just started messaging girls. It was like, hey, um, I left the casino shop. I'm not tattooing tourists anymore. I'm trying to rebuild my portfolio. My wife has a good job, so if you let me tattoo whatever I want, just like two to four hundred dollars, and it just do do. And I would lay in bed, and uh, later that year on Christmas, I started seeing my friends on Facebook post, and in the right hand corner was this like little square black and white. I believe Instagram used to only be black and white photos eleven years ago when it started. Mm -hmm. And I, and, it, and I was like, what is this? I clicked on it and it was just a platform of just pictures. No fucking Facebook ranting, no bullshit, just pictures of art and food and cool stuff. And I was like, this is cool. I think this is gonna be a thing. Hey babe, I need an iPhone. Cause remember they used to only be on iPhones. And she was like, you've got a brand new sidekick. I was like, I know, but I need an iPhone. Right. And she got it for me and then I would lay in bed at night and would just start messaging girls and she would be like, what are you doing thinking I'm being shady? I said, no, you have an account. Here's my password. You can look at all the conversations, I swear, trust me. Mm -hmm. And then the girls would come in and saw I had a beautiful wife so they didn't feel like I was trying to do other... Because if someone's giving a girl, a pretty girl, something for cheap or for free, there's usually uh, hidden agendas. And no, I was just building my new... I could do whatever I wanted and not feel bad if I did boo-boos because I was only charging like two to four hundred bucks. And then all of a sudden I was booked two months mm -hmm. and then three months. And then I, I started like getting better. Like I still struggled with my addictions and I was like, I can't do that to this woman. And I would work. There's a lot of shops out here that were still ran. We talked about Canada. A lot of, a lot of motorcycle clubs own the shops and it used to be that way here. So... There was only like four or five artsy shops and I wasn't quite good enough slash my reputation was there. Like, we love you, but you're still a little bit too much. All this change is new. We'll just keep watching. Yeah. Keep doing you though. Yeah. 
and uh, not to drag it out, I was just like, babe, I was in tears. I was like, I need my own shop. I need to create my own thing. And she found the shop that I first got tattooed in 20 years ago that mm -hmm. I'm going to tattoo you in today. Oh, nice. I, I, the, I, I never thought I'd be a tattoo artist. I got tattooed in there when I was 19 by Jenna Jameson's boyfriend and the uncle. Oh. And, I, and I, I never thought I'd be a tattoo artist, let alone own it 20 years later. And uh, we bought it. The landlord came in and was like, and she saw how nice and pretty Michelle was. And she kind of relaxed and was like, you sure you want this place? We we're like, yes. And then she's like, okay. And then $40,000 later of uh, investing in it. And uh, we hit the ground running. And it was just like girls would be lined up to get tattooed. And so I don't know if that's a question or not. I was like, how'd you become the butt guy? <laughs> I was getting to that, like, how did he come the butt guy? Yes. So, uh, 2011, 12, 13, rib tattoos were really popular, especially here in Las Vegas. On the, There's a lot of pretty girls get out of high school and turn 21, and they just work the summers at the pool doing cocktails. Mm -hmm. You got a cute... 21 year old body and you're got personality you can make a thousand bucks a day in tips so girls monkey see monkey do they see girls getting tattoos and it's kind of an opener for guys to be like because not a lot of people have game so they're like oh i love your tattoo you mm -hmm. know and then then the conversation starts and so girls are like i want to get my ribs done. i want to get my ribs done and so i'm doing these rib tattoos and chris it's very painful that's why i still have some open spots there I in my hear. ribs and these girls, it was not 50-50, they would sit still. It was like 80-20. 20% would sit good, sit well. And it was very and frustrating. What is, what's that 80% not sitting well? What does that mean? Uh, they're just twitching. I, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Dude, stop. I can't pull a good, I get frustrated, and the energy's not good. Yeah, yeah. And um, So I started doing this. Okay, you want your ribs done? It's gonna be double the price up front and you'll get half your money back at the end if you sit well. Uh, it worked for some people. And some people were like, I, I barely have the money for just the regular price. Right. And one day I go, oh, let me move it down to your thigh, half price. Okay, I started doing that, half price. Uh -huh. And then it just, it's a sexy tattoo. And you can still hide it, right. like you can still, you're not going to be wearing mini skirts in front of your dad or or conservative grandma or what jobs are you wearing mini skirts that are conservative none mm -hmm. so it just it's, it just took off and it it was uh you know it's very sexual and there's some haters out there like oh you over sexualize and no these women want to be sexy everybody wants to be sexy sexy buddha like <laughs> <laughs> just kidding but People want to people want to feel good about themselves. Expression, sexual, like look at everything in the music. It's like people are just so full of shit or don't realize like most of the reason people get out of bed and do what they do is to get laid. Most men get up and go to the gym and get a good job. Why? To get a woman. And women get up and they do this to, to attract a man. And... People want to feel sexy, and some people want to express themselves. A lot of girls that a tattoo, their parents and boy and boyfriends and people always told them what they couldn't couldn't do, and then they come to me and like I can express myself. You know how many people message are like, I've you've gotten me confidence. I just I, I just want to wear less clothes, and I was always worried about what people say. 
And in the early years before Facebook bought Instagram, girls would be like, oh, I can't wait for you to post it. Post it on Instagram, but not Facebook. Why? Because their parents were on Facebook. And they would let me express for them and without being judged by their loved ones. You know what I mean? And it was like we were helping each other out. And uh, for a little bit, I let the haters bug me. But I know, like, people want to be sexy. And who doesn't like a good butt? You know, all butts matter. It's not just the big ones. <laughs> you know, I try. And some girls are like, I only have a little one. And if, and if I do a nice round design on it, like a mandala, it gives that illusion that there's a little bit more roundness. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I do mommy makeovers too and cover up their their C-section scars or their stretch marks. Um, mm-hmm. It's turned into something uh, pretty cool. Nice. Do you think you know, like? Are we being superficial when we get tattoos? Like, I got tattoos. I want to be beautiful. But is that, like, me over-identifying myself with my vessel? You know? Like, why do we want to be beautiful? Is it for the self-acceptance of others? Or is there a natural inclination uh, for humans to want beauty in their lives because beauty is kind of like the clothing of God, you know? Like, God is beautiful and he expresses beauty through nature. And then humans, we create beautiful things and artwork and then we want to be beautiful ourselves. I think it's half and half. Mm-hmm. Um, there's women that want to, like I said, want to express themselves. They want like a cool tattoo, sexy tattoo, but they're afraid to be judged. And then there are others that are like, oh, I want to like, I look up to her. So if I get the tattoo, I'll be as sexy as her. And then you have men. It's primal. It's like, war. I, for me personally, I'll be honest, you know. Um, yeah. When I moved here and saw Cholos and, and I was like, man, those tattoos are badass. I got the smile now, cry later. That was kind of a Cholo tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the zigzag man underneath this blob. I told my, you know, my dad said I told him it was Jesus smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's kind of armor, you know. I didn't, you know, we're, I have, I put, there's a lot of masks and I've always felt I had to put a mask on for, to, some people didn't, either for me to fit in as a chameleon or wear the mask that people want me to wear. Like, oh, you, want, you want me to be, knock myself down to make you feel better or be the happy, the, uh, I was kind of a clown before I met Michelle, always with the wild stories. I didn't realize like, oh, I'm like entertainment for people, like a fucking court gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've changed, right? You yeah. don't, you're not masking yourself anymore. And I don't see it as a joke by far. Well, I, I used to be, you know, when I was younger, you know, just, oh, it didn't take things seriously. Ah, that's what it was. So I have a lot of people come to you, you know, you heal them with your art. We're healers, you know. Uh, I'm going fishing. I'm going on a camping trip with a, a spiritual buddy of mine who happens to be my sponsor from Bishop Rotary. And uh, Franco Viscovi, happy birthday. I took one a, a seminar to learn how to use the Bishop Rotary. And he came up and put his arm around me. And he goes, you're not a tattoo artist. And I thought he was like pulling my card. Like He goes, uh, you're pretending. You're actually a healer disguised as a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. He goes, you're, you're healing people, Joseph. And uh, so... A lot of these, I, I struggle with trying to talk and do good work. Sometimes I'll talk the whole time, I have a connection, and I drop the ball on a couple things. And then I don't say anything, smoke pot, get lost, and it's some of the best work I've done. But when I leave and give my client a hug, I can kind of feel a little bit of disappointment, like, oh, I'm not as cool. Because I'll make these heartfelt posts, what great conversations. And then we didn't talk, and I know 
that they're like, oh, I kind of wanted more. So I'm kind of tortured on like connecting and doing good work. But well, we got good days and we got bad days. Yeah, you know? we're human. I'm not a machine. Yeah, yeah. Some days <laughs> we're ready to be served. Other days we need to like pull the energy back and just you know. And so what I was gonna say is, um, I tell these clients about, you know, I said taking things. You know, I didn't used to take myself seriously. People take things personal from being hurt from loved ones. And what I tell them, you know what I've had to learn the hard way and, I, and from my own personal experience is you got to look at the people that are hurting you and taking advantage. Do they love themselves? Do they respect themselves? No. How can they love and respect you when they can't love and respect themselves? And that's uh, something I struggle with. I didn't love and respect myself. So that's why you know I didn't always show respect or, or love you know, and so I try to tell these clients that are hurting, don't take it personal. It's okay to feel hurt. I, I try to tell people, never feel bad for how you feel. You're not wrong for feeling what you feel, but don't take it too personal because it's not, they're not, they don't know what they're doing. Most of us don't know what we're doing, don't know the repercussions of our actions. And But back to your armor about, you, is it superficial? Yes, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I'll tell you personal experiences like I'll tattoo these women and um, they're in their 20s. A lot of girls have what I call ugly duckling syndrome. They were late blossomers and they all of a sudden get sexy and they get more developed and then they get this confidence and the guy they're with is not what they want anymore and they leave them and these guys will come to me and they're like, I want to get tattooed. They think getting tattooed is going to, this. they think this image is going to get the girl back. And oh, so the ugly ducklings are the guys, not the girls? No, the girls. Okay. The girls will leave because they were ugly ducklings when they got together oh, okay. and then they blossomed and became this hot. I've watched clients that I was tattooing at 19, now they're 25, 30, and I'm like, whoa. Like, you are beautiful now. You found your confidence. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I know when you came in, you were all like awkward and didn't know. And even just some women, you know, people grow apart when you get together young. And so mm -hmm. these husbands and boyfriends will come in thinking they weren't cool enough. And it goes, no, it's just nothing to do with being cool. They just outgrew you, outgrew that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so they think it's like a superficial that they didn't look cool enough, you know, going to the gym and, you know, and I, I've been guilty of that, trying to look, look a certain way. And I realized it doesn't matter what you look like. What This is something that I, I slipped on this year that I forgot. It's like we focus on the outside more than the inside. And uh, I told this yogi years ago, he came up to me. He goes, you don't usually see big guys like you in yoga. I go, yeah, you know. I look at everybody out there, including myself, when I'm out there lifting heavy weights. It reminds me of my Cholo homies. Getting the 6'4 the Impala, it's all beat up and needs a lot of work, but what do they do? The first thing they do, they get a paint job and rims, but it's shit on the inside, and it's gonna break down any fucking day, but it looks good on the outside, mm -hmm. and I feel that's how we treat ourselves and I've been guilty of it is things are going good you're like all right I'm gonna look good I'm gonna I'm gonna get nice clothes if I look good I feel good for a little bit but the shit that you still gotta work you gotta shine from within so right. I've been attracted I'm blessed my wife is beautiful but I've been attracted to women that aren't superficially gorgeous but they're beautiful on the inside like I get excited just talking on the phone because of who they were Mm -hmm. And some of us are blinded on, you know, that the, the social media, it's a slippery slope. 
we're always comparing ourselves and right it makes me sick it's a tricky world you know and it's that fine balance between like celebrating beauty in every single shape and form um and not you know getting carried away too much by this is the definition of why somebody has value you know they're but we can still, you know, have fun and adorn ourselves and be as pretty as we can for the fun of creation. You know, as artists, that's our goal, to make beautiful things. And, uh, you know, that's a spiritual celebration in the world of where we have eyes to see. <laughs> do you have people tell you, oh, I'm not an artist. And you're, do, you, do you say what I say? Yeah, you are. You just haven't tapped into it yet. I think everybody's an artist in their own way. Yeah, we're here to create. People just second guess themselves. Um, uh, Stephen Pressfield, uh, The War of Art. Mm-hmm. Not the art of war, the war of art. He talks about resistance and right. he I says a lot of us it. are living shadow careers because mm-hmm. we second guess our creativity. We look up, we put people on pedestals. We're like, I'm not that good because everybody wants to be good right away so they don't put the work in and then it just it like kind of comes. But you know, like my wife's like, I'm not an artist. I'm like, yeah, you are. Look how you decorate. You're mm-hmm. that's an art. That's an artist. Yeah. You as, have long eye as, for... as long as you express yourself in any way, it could even just be talking to your family. That's an art. It is. it is. Or driving your car elegantly. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do with vibe, I think that's an art. It's expression from the inside to the outside. Um so you had a lot of years where you were um, doing things that were maybe not healthy for you. And uh, when did you change? What was that catalyst that made you like, oh, you know what? I want to clean up. I want to stop doing uh, ever, this. Ever since I met Michelle, I've been on this struggle for a while. I just, M- Michelle's a woman that's has patience and grace and like, like she says, she's always trying to fix problems. And I, for some reason, Stephen Pressfield talks about self-sabotage, the saboteur. Like, it's like I would do really good and I'm like, oh, things are too perfect. I'm going to knock the, I'm going to start all over again. I was almost addicted to it. Things would go good. I'm like, ah, oh, it's not going right. Let me fuck it up and like climbing back up. Why do we do that? So that we have something to do or like a mission? I still or... don't understand why. Why can't we just be happy being happy sometimes? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, but I'm happy you're back on the good path. Yeah. So now you eat better. You don't do too much. I was trying to go plant-based and like I... I it's hard. Like when I went completely plant-based, I lost so much weight. And it wasn't even just the ego of like I got too skinny. I was lightheaded. I get lightheaded and dizzy and I was even taking iron supplements. So like Mark Longnacker said, don't just jump into it. You just, that's what you do. You just jump two feet into things. Just slowly, he goes, enjoy your sushi, become pescatarian. I can totally just be pescatarian. And I love my veggies. I, I drink pressed juices. I love salads. Um, but uh, I do like a good steak every now and then. And uh, I like chicken, and, but just, I, there's so many, I think a lot of it's anecdotal. There's so many good points on plant-based and what it's doing and then the meat and we're supposed to have meat and like there's so much, there's too much information. There's very much a lot of points. There's of a views. lot of good points there's, on both sides. You know, there's Chinese way of seeing diet. There's keto. There's yeah. vegetarians. You know? So I just try not to have over-processed stuff, which I don't. 
uh, the least amount of sugar, um, dairy, like good dairy, you know, dairy messes up my stomach, but I love cheese. Mm, And I like ice cream and gelato. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) Sour cream on my tacos. Yeah, it's hard. I, I like fried eggs on a Saturday. I like my brunches. I love eggs. I'm sorry. Yeah, eggs every morning pretty much. It's, it's like one of the things that makes me happiest and so stupid, like eating at a little cafe just with my toast, my eggs, my coffee. That for me is so special. I wouldn't want to lose that in my life. Um, I guess I just need to get some chicken so the eggs can come from some happy yes, source. Yes, we, we have. A, we're I think we're allowed to have. We don't have an HOA, a homeowner, so we can have chickens in our backyard. We're thinking oh, cool. about doing that. But you but, just moved in here. Yeah. So when you were asking about like having a healthier lifestyle, I uh, would set all these goals. I went two years clean and sober, just shy of two weeks. Uh, right before they let us out of quarantine. I was like, I'm not going to drink. And, you know, while we're on this lockdown, I'll be there for my family. When they let us back to the wild, I was like, I'm having beer. It's been a slippery slope, let me tell you. But um, I would set these goals. You know, I didn't watch TV for six months. I like kind of would like punish myself, but I still felt good. It's like I, it's like I try too hard. I, I find that in yoga. Sometimes I'm trying too hard, like just calm down. And so where I'm at now I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to have mistakes. I like to drink my beer. You know, I should be 100% sober. It'd be better for me. But I like to have fun. What I want to focus on now, what I've been focusing on, is being kind. Just being kind. Mm-hmm. And then kind to myself. We're, we're you know, we, we beat ourselves up, uh, at least I do, and not complaining. Uh, somebody asked me about vibration, what raises, he goes, what lowers your vibration? I was like, processed food, and I said, and complaining and gossiping, it's hard to, you know, because we'll share stories and experiences, there's a fine line between gossiping and sharing experiences, so just not like, oh my God, did you hear about so-and-so? Because some people, they don't know what else to talk about, so they just talk about other people, Mm. and some people don't realize it, but just being kind and not complaining, um, I've been catching myself like just do it yourself. It's easier to do it yourself or help Michelle and just those little things, you know. She's like, God, you get upset about the little things, but doing the little things is like I'm realizing all that stuff adds up, you know, just so that's where I'm at now. Trying to really have gratitude. And I've I've had a lot of uh 2020 Everybody's like, 2020 is vision. 2021 has been my perspective of seeing. I've had people in my life that have done things to me that have hurt. And I haven't taken it personal this year. Yes, it hurt. Just recently, I had a falling out with a, a family member slash apprentice. And he left over something silly. But the old me would have got so pissed, Chris, and made a whole thing about it. And I was like, he's a kid. And you've done that. And that's his journey. And it's not personal don't get upset i've had a few things where i'm like wow another person where this year too where it's like wow that person really cool but they drove you nuts doing this this and this joseph that's who you used to be that's what it was like being around you you were cool but man it came with an annoying price like Mm. so now you know what it feels like and i'm like i do yeah. I want to go around and apologize to a lot of people. <laughs> well, I'm happy I only met you once you, you turned nice. <laughs> 
so tell me a little bit about your journey with plant medicines. Is that like a like a newer thing in your life? Like, um, so the guy who did my back, Anthony Ortega, that I showed you, it's a a very shamanic. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll show them very shamanic piece. Um, this individual. Um, I knew him in the early years when we were both wild, and then I was friends with him later when he went, he used to go by his graffiti name, or no, he's, it's Czech one, but he, uh, he used to go by uh, Anthony Reno, and it was because a guy named him that, but then he worked at a, the shop Heritage that is amazing, Heritage Tattoo in Las Vegas are just beautiful people, uh, beautiful, great artists, um, and he went by his real name, Anthony Ortega, uh, and we were at this hookah lounge and they have this show every third thursday called Dig wonderland something what and they have like fire breathers and this couple they do puppet they can make it look like real people on there is it it's really cool and we were just having this heart-to-heart -heart talk and and uh he was telling me about i was like wait you're anthony reno he goes yeah i go you used to be like fat and angry he goes yeah i, I was he said, uh, uh, and he said a lot of things before it, but he goes, I went to Peru, uh, you know, I took a boat for that took almost two day trip. Um, and he's like, and, uh, and then he, he, I don't need to fill in, but he told me about his experience. He's like, I was up in this tree hut and they just had mosquito nets and it was just a yoga mat and a bucket. And then when you pooped, it was just a hole with toilet paper. Yeah. He's all, and then I'm just like fighting with it. And all of a sudden I go and I got to go to the bathroom, but I end up puking and blah. He goes, and I saw where my anger came from. He goes, I saw, I used to be angry at my sister when I was little, and it all started from there. And then, you know, there's a lot more to the story, but he he opened, because like I said earlier, I've done a lot of psychedelics, and it changed him completely, physically, emotionally, internally. His art is like, it's really cool like yours. Very, It's very it's got dmt ish like it's it's cool and so he planted that seed uh and a girl we're gonna hang out and have dinner tonight with annabelle annabelle of the ball she's uh she sees life through rose-colored glasses everything is it's beautiful <laughs> that's nice and uh i had a falling out with one of her lovers and she came to our house six years later seven years later and was like you were right about him joseph She's like, I, I used to say, Joey was right. You and your smoke show and your, your, your smoke and mirrors. And, and we talked for like two hours. And she's a very attractive woman. And it's just like getting really intense. And I look at Michelle, I was like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't feel like I'm flirting with your best friend in front of you. And she goes, this makes me so happy you guys are friends. Um, the next morning, she called Michelle and said, uh, there's a shaman in town that just randomly came here. Uh, amazing shaman. And... Uh, there's a place out in the desert where there's like these mansions and the guy was renovating. So they let these girls host it and uh, they invited me and I almost chickened out. I'm just like, because there was times in LSD where I was like, ah, you know, and I was like, I don't want to like freak these people out. And I go and there's, there's, there's like, there's a big sacred fire and it's just like 15 yoga mats. And it was like all girls, me, Yoga mat, hot girl, hot girl, pretty girl, pretty girl. One dude, pretty girl, pretty girl, pretty girl, pretty girl. Another dude. And I was just like, part of me, I was like, is this like a sexual, like, what is this? I don't know what this is going to be. <laughs> and then I was telling you about 
uh, there was a, a smaller man, and I didn't know he was indigenous. It was like the sun was going down, and I was nervous, and I went to go stand next to this dude, and something pushed me away. Later, I didn't know he was the shaman, but um, fast forward, you know, we did all our, he explained the sacredness through his interpretation, because uh, he was with another guy, Ivan, from Puerto Rico. He spoke English as well, uh, but they are explaining it, and then, you know, I, I've, we all shared what we were there to heal and we took the medicine and like the music was playing and it was beautiful outside. It was like October. So it was like perfect weather. And, uh, it was like LSD where I was like, I, cause I, for me, psychedelics, I start to feel it in my jaw, like the tingling. Mm -hmm. And then I get the, I get the yawns. And then all of a sudden I started doing this. Like I started like twitching and people are puking right away puking and crying and I was like oh fuck and I just start like twitching I'm just doing this and I was like people are gonna think I'm weird and I was lifting my head I was like everybody's being weird it's okay yeah it's and okay. I just let go and doof. and it took me to when I was a little boy and she showed me she said Joseph you asked for everything you've ever gotten for and let me show you why and she showed me when I was a little boy I'd always get grounded and uh, it showed me by the bunk bed, and I was like, I hope the devils take me away. Like I asked for that darkness. And she just kept showing me lessons and lessons. And and then she'd be like, but, it, but, but it's all good. Let me show you this, and let me show you this. And I'm like, oh my God, that's beautiful. And the music would change. And then you kind of come out of the trance, and then Mother Aya's like, you ready for more? And I'm like, okay, do took me in it was showing me that you're doing this wrong and you're doing this and then I was kind of falling in a tree of my life and she would like a finger would come out and she's like no no silly and she's like you like to learn things the hard way and she would like knock my head into the tree and like but let me show you this it, it doesn't have to be that way let me show you another perspective let me show you're doing everything ass backwards silly uh, and then all of a sudden there was a floating hand mirror and uh, it, it stopped on my face and I started picking myself apart and she's like no 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 you're beautiful love everything about you you're perfect the way you are and then it started going through a slideshow of people I commonly judge and it was like how dare you judge and then it stopped on a I don't know how to use the word uh, men, d not fully developed like where you would call like mentally retarded or you know and she knew I felt bad like I felt sad, I felt empathy. She's like, never feel bad for these type of humans. Envy them. You know that that Trump made fun of? That's pure bliss. That that they're happy. They don't know judgment, greed, envy, selfishness, sadness. Right. They're in pure bliss. Yeah. Be jealous of those beings. Right. And then it just went on with more lessons and and then the next few days, it was just showing me more like everything is God. We're God. It's not even like, not even what we think. Like, just like, get over yourself. You're special, but not as special as you think. And it just was more like, and I felt like the first day she was like, as she's showing me these lessons, I felt like she was like putting my body back together. <laughs> I'm just like, like doing this, like as I'm fucking getting On all the these operation lessons. Table. Yeah, and it was the it was like the first night was my mind, the second night the second night was my body, and the third night was mind body soul, mm -hmm. and then the third night was it just that's where it showed like the sky opened and two A was chanting like I, 
he, noises I've never even heard from a human that I couldn't even make. It was like alien-like. It was beautiful and scary. Right. But um, as I'm going through these lessons and she's showing me, I was just like, I wasn't, it was like my ego talk, my conscious talking. I wasn't physically just like, oh, show me more. And she's like, that's your problem. You want it all now. Just just calm down and enjoy the ride. I'm going to show you some things. And and that's it. I wanted more healing. And she's like, you think you're going to be healed like that? You've been doing years of damage. And this is only a couple of nights, you silly, silly boy. She just kept laughing at me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I And I came back the... You know, on that third day, and I just, um, I loved everything. And I could, I really, I really miss where I was at. That, uh, I could hear every word of every song. I wasn't in my head. Songs I've heard my whole life, I didn't even know half of what they were saying, being in my head. I just wanted to love everything, and nothing bothered me, because I knew everything was going to be okay, that it's all bullshit. And I didn't want to watch violent movies anymore. And I didn't want to listen to... I haven't listened to gangster rap. I don't know how long. I haven't I don't listen to metal. Uh, I'm frustrated with things, but I'm not an angry person anymore. I still have some demons to fight. But uh, I could go out and meditate with no noise. I didn't have to try to clear anything out. I just sat there and I would just like hum. I would just like kind of like... Like after the rapé last night, kind of like just kind of humming, like a tuning, like a mm -hmm. magnet. Just channeling the vibe. It was just beautiful. And, and some people really saw it. And I felt some people resented my change. Like uh, people kind of acted weird around me. I guess it's because, you know, a lot of people fear changing themselves so when they see somebody else doing it's like oh they're just showing me something i could be working on myself right now but i'm not doing it so i'm just gonna shift the frustration on them as opposed to dealing it on myself but um yeah i'm so happy you've done the work and you continue doing the work and that year having I'm, you know this past year i've been i got tired i got burnt out i was like i was saying i was trying too hard but we were talking about spirit guides and she predicted this hike I'm going on tomorrow in the next few days. But she messaged me. She's like, you're done with the alcohol and drugs. She's like, you don't like who it makes you anymore. Don't worry, you're gonna be done with that stuff. I was like, she's right, I don't. I'm like, it makes me, being that conscious, when I do start to get reckless, I can feel myself change where I'm like, stop it, stop. This is not you. And sometimes it's hard to control, but but being once it's kind of like once you what's the pill Neo took? What color? The blue or the red? Uh, I, I can't remember which one. Well, it's like once you take that pill, you can't really like. Right. You can kind of bullshit yourself, but you know deep inside the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this whole year was a good. There's there's things that I'm a little disappointed in myself, but I'm also grateful for my struggles because I think I am here to help people. And, and we weren't supposed to help everybody. We're supposed to be a big community, not against each other and isolating. And um, now, I, now I think because I've struggled and, and I didn't figure it out the first, second or third time is that I can be more empathetic and hold a better space for people that are struggling. Because before, if you didn't get it, I'm like, ah, you don't want it. Ah, mm -hmm. Now I can be like, don't worry about it. 
we all still struggle, you know. Yeah. There's no, I thought there was this perfect, all these people, and you know, you've met people you look up to, and you're like, oh, you struggle like everybody else. Like, right, I think it's important for like healers like ourselves to also go through our struggles and do our work. If not, we wouldn't really understand what everybody else is going through, and we couldn't really help them properly. So I think it's a gift that we also suffer. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a human experience. It's, it's unescapable, but it just gets a little bit easier. I, I was at the misconception that I would reach this level and not suffer or struggle anymore. That's silly. What's the point of being here? I think it's like there will always be things like sadness and, you know, like, but you can be more comfortable with it. It's like, okay, well, there's sadness or frustration or whatever, but what am I learning from it? What am I doing about it? And this, you know, flow better, you know, be grateful and accept it as something good also in your life. When you That's what I'm looking at. Like, what can I learn from this? All right. Mm-hmm. Step back. It sucks. What can you learn from this? All right. Y- yeah. Okay. What's your feelings about the world these days? Like, Are you optimistic, uh, even though we're in a hard part of the struggle? I am because... If you asked Michelle a couple of years ago, I kept saying, I feel, I think that's why I was sober for two years, those two years completely is that, well, I did smoke pot, but from all the other reckless stuff, um, is that I kept saying, I feel something's coming. I remember driving in California. I was like, everybody just takes what they want and does what they want. It's like, but they're doing it the wrong way. It's like everybody does things what they want in a selfish without disregard for anybody else and I just feel I was like something's coming I didn't know what it was and when COVID happened I was like oh this is what it was I knew something was coming I, I, I don't know um, and more is to come too it is it, you know and those and then the, you know all the all the hate crimes that like it woke some people up and brought people together like it's like I say to my kids it's like why do I gotta get aggressive for people to pay attention I think maybe the it's got to get shaken up for people to, to, to pay attention and snap out of it, right. you know? Uh, I think, you know, there's stuff that have fueled people to be angry more, but I think it's made people more empathetic. And, and when I started tattooing, when we got back to out of the quarantine, because some of these women, my clients are like, these women sit for hours and some of them fall asleep, but a lot of them were just like, struggling and I was like you've been holding in so much shit I remember one client I was like let it out you're being strong for everybody she's like I am my parents my husband my kids my work and I was like I'm gonna leave you alone for a minute and just cry even if we can hear you nobody's gonna judge you let that shit out and they were like I came back like 15-20 minutes later like you were right I'm like we're just holding on to all this just like fucking let it go mm-hmm. um Beautiful. I, I think you are a healer. People are. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Well, that's that's. I think everybody should be a healer, or should once again, everybody can be a healer, and we should access our healing powers, whatever that may be, cooking, art, listening, whatever, and heal each other. I think we've all been each other's traumatizers throughout our lives. We've all traumatized each other from when we're kids or whatever. And pour that uh, shit onto other people. Right, and we're all hurting in some way, and I think it's the time to go out and, and help each other and build uh, us as individuals, and then that also becomes the world. Breaking the chain, kind of like, 
you know, my daughter's 13 and she's going through the teenage stuff and I'm frustrated with her and I'm just like, your mom, you take her. And now, like, the past few days, I was crying in yoga yesterday, just like, that's what's wrong. Like, you need to sit there and deal with it and be there and figure this out and not hide in Netflix. Like, I feel like, you know, the, the, the evil forces running this world just want to keep us distracted. Why is there always a new fucking movie? Why is there always a new, a new distraction, a new distraction? There's so many distractions. Like we are talking about earlier, social media, there's cool tools, and it is good to escape in a movie. But if that's all we're doing, it's not good. It's not... Uh... It's just more drugs. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for your perspective, man. You, you had so much honest wisdom that you shared with us today. Uh, would you have some like That's maybe? All I have is being honest, you know. I, I love it. It's a, your, your pure energy. I, I, I really enjoy who you are and what you say and how you express it. It means a lot. Like I've never had many. I don't bring a lot of people into my house. It's like I'm social, but I'm kind of a hermit. I'm a I understand extroverted introvert. Yeah, no. you know and so it's you cool gotta to you in here. go out there and open up every single day so when you're home you want to be just with your family so thank you so much for opening up yeah to I me. just you know like I said I only met you that once at at, at Cosm. Cosm and uh, I know something was like I'm just gonna let him stay at my house like, and I'm glad that I I'm not that dirty <laughs> <laughs> once I have a shower and you rub that stink off me I'm not that bad <laughs> It's a, well, it's a blessing and I enjoyed this conversation. These are the conversations I want to have. Yeah, they're awesome. I'm so happy we can share this with other people. Um, would you have some final words of wisdom to anybody who might be watching this? What I'm, my mantras that I still work on is don't take things personal, don't have expectations, and get over yourself. It's bigger than you. Some people that don't believe in God out there, you got to believe in something. There's, th there's things out there that are more powerful for you. And I just heard it the other day. Go to the ocean and try to stop a wave. And if you can, then you're almighty powerful. But you can't stop that wave. You know, like go with the flow and try not to make waves. And if you are, make sure it's going to add value. You know? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I lo I've never heard that one before. Like, try to stop a wave in the ocean. Yeah, it's just it's not a, how it works. You got to. No, you don't believe in something bigger than you? Go stop that wave. That's good. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Boom. Thank you so much, Joe. It was awesome. And thank you so much to you guys watching another episode of this lovely podcast. Please make sure to like it, comment, subscribe, share it so more people can get to see these lovely conversations we've been having on Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. I'll see you next time. Blessings. Peace. Woo so today I'm in Eugene, Oregon. I'm working on a project with my guest, who's Marcel Braun. And he is a legendary glass blower and the head of the Starship Collective Rebel Alliance. The absolute most important thing for humanity right now, in my opinion, is the redistribution of engineering. And Buckminster Fuller has a beautiful quote uh, about it. He says, uh, we, we need to change from building weaponry to building livingry. <laughs> and the technology all exists. And he was saying that back in the 60s. He was like, listen, you know, peace on earth means 
abundance for everybody because the, the engineering to make an aircraft carrier, one aircraft carrier, could undeniably clean all the plastic floating in the ocean off the surface. So make sure to subscribe, like, and everything else. Big thanks and see you next week. Peace.